Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Story Storytellers Podcast, where I, your host, will regale you with tales from across the world. Folklore, myths, legends, stories. And in this episode, more tales of the devil themselves. Last episode, I told you two stories of the devil. Before that, we delved into Lilith and a bit of history of Lilith and her tales. Today is a bit more story focused. I'm going to look at two stories that are very, very similar within themselves and to another tale I have told on this podcast, and that is Bluebeard's Bride. So back on episode 17, I told the French tale of Bluebeard's Bride. And I shall be looking at two other stories today that are very, very similar to that. One that involves the devil, and one that involves a little bit of maybe, shall we say, blood magic? So these tales are... One is from Italy, and one is from Germany. And they are known as... Uh, Arn Thompson Uther Type 311 Tales, if that's of any interest to anyone. I will include the link where I got the translations for these in the show notes, as always, so you know where I've got them from. And the reason we are kind of staying on the devil's theme is I've started up a Patreon. Yay! Because um, there are longer format tales and things, and the and, and the coverage that I did with Lilith and stuff like that. It takes a lot more effort on my part, so I'm going to put those onto Patreon. They will be longer formats, so most of those episodes will be... I'm looking for an hour an episode. They'll be once a month. Um, The first couple of episodes are going to be me retelling Faust. The wonderful, wonderful story of Dr. Faust making his deal with Mistopheles, the the devil himself. Um... Episode 1 is already out. A link to that is in the show notes. It will be... Uh, Patreon is only two, $2 a month. I don't want to charge too much. I want to keep this as cheap as possible, but the the amount of effort it takes to edit those and things is, is quite a lot, so uh, they're going to go over there. This, this main podcast will probably sit down more into very quick tales or quick delves into things. There'll be no deep, deep dives anymore over here. And so along with that, today's episode, we are going to, as I say, look at two tales very, very, very similar to Bluebeard's Bride. And this just kind of shows you that tales travel uh, across countries. So the original Bluebeard's Bride tale comes from France, and then these two, we have one from Italy and one from Germany. And there are others of very similar veins from other countries. So yeah, we um, there are similar tales from Norway, from the Basque country in Spain, Finland, Scotland, Palestine, India. I mentioned the Tiger's Bride, I think in the in the same episode as Bluebeard's Bride. And there's even one that comes from America and the, U- the USA. The the tales travel and they morph and they connect to the countries and the the attitudes and feelings of the people who gather the stories and so these two tales as much as they follow the same theme as Bluebeard's Bride the way they do it is quite different so 
I will read the two tales for you. Sit back, grab yourself a drink, and enjoy the tales. How the Devil Married Three Sisters An Italian tale by Thomas Frederick Crane, told in Italian Popular Tales, published in 1885. Once upon a time, the devil was seized with a desire to marry. He therefore left hell and took the form of a handsome young man and built a fine large house. When it was completed and furnished in the most fashionable style, he introduced himself to a family where there were three pretty daughters, and he paid his addresses to the eldest of them. The handsome man pleased the maiden, and her parents were glad to see a daughter so well provided for, and it was not long before the wedding was celebrated. When he had taken his bride home, he presented her with a tastefully arranged bouquet, led her through all the rooms of the house, and finally to a closed door. The whole house is at your disposal, said he. Only I must request one thing of you, and that is that you do not, on any account, open this door. Of course the young wife promised faithfully, but equally of course she should scarcely wait for the moment to come when she might break her promise. When the devil had left the house the next morning under the pretense of going hunting, she ran hastily to the forbidden door and opened it, and saw a terrible abyss full of fire that shot up towards her and singed the flowers on her bosom. When her husband came home and asked her whether she had kept her promise, she unhesitatingly said, Yes, but he saw by the flowers that she was telling a lie, and said, Now I will not put your curiosity to test any longer. Come with me, and I shall show you myself what is behind the door. Thereupon he led her to the door, opened it, gave her such a push that she fell down into hell, and shut the door again. A few months after he wooed the next sister for his wife, and won her, but with her everything that happened with the first wife was exactly repeated. Finally he courted the third sister. She was a prudent maiden, and she said to herself, He has certainly murdered my two sisters, but then it is a splendid match for me, so I will try and see whether I cannot be more fortunate than they. And accordingly she consented. After the wedding, the bridegroom gave her a beautiful bouquet, but forbade her also to open the door which he pointed out. Not a whit less curious than her sisters, she too opened the forbidden door when the devil had gone hunting. But she had previously put her flowers in water. And then she saw behind the door the fatal abyss and her sisters therein. Ah! she exclaimed. Poor creature that I am! I thought I had married an ordinary man, and instead of that he is the devil. How can I get away from him? She carefully pulled her two sisters out of hell and hid them. When the devil came home he immediately looked at the bouquet, which she again wore on her bosom, and when he found the flowers so fresh he asked no questions, but reassured as to his secret. He now, for the first time, really loved her. After a few days she asked him if he could carry three chests for her to her parents' house, without putting them down or resting on the way. But, she 
he added. You must keep your word, for I shall be watching you. The devil promised to do exactly as she wished. So, the next morning she put one of her sisters in a chest and laid it on her husband's shoulders. The devil, who is very strong, but also very lazy and unaccustomed to work, soon got tired of carrying the heavy chest and wanted to rest before he was out of the street on which he lived. His wife called out to him, Don't put it down, I see you. The devil went reluctantly on with the chest until he had turned the corner, and then said to himself, She cannot see me here, I will rest a little. But scarcely he had begun to put the chest down when the sister cried out, Don't put it down, I see you still. Cursing, he dragged the chest onto another street, was going to lay it down on the doorstep, but again he heard the voice. Don't lay it down, you rascal! I see you still! What kind of eyes must my wife had? he thought, to see around corners as well as straight ahead, and through walls as if they were made of glass. And thus thinking, he arrived, all in a perspiration, quite tired out of the house of his mother-in-law, to whom he hastily delivered the chest, and then hurried home to strengthen himself with a good breakfast. The same thing was repeated the next day with the second chest. On the third day, she herself was to be taken home in a chest. She therefore prepared a figure which she dressed in her own clothes and placed on the balcony, under the pretext of being able to watch him better. She slipped quickly into the chest, and had the maid put it on the devil's back. The juice, said he, this chest is a great deal heavier than the others, and today, when she is sitting on the balcony, I shall have so much the less chance to rest. So by dint of the greatest exertions he carried it without stopping to his mother-in-law and then hastened home to breakfast, scolding and with his back almost broken. But quite contrary to custom, his wife did not come out to meet him and there was no breakfast ready. Margarita, where are you? he cried out, but received no answer. And he was running through the corridors. He at length, he at length looked out of a window and saw the figure on the balcony. Margarita, have you gone to sleep? Come down. I am tired as a dog and hungry as a wolf. But there was no reply. If you do not come down instantly, I will go up and bring you down, he cried angrily. But Margarita did not stir. Enraged, he hastened up to the balcony and gave her such a box on the ear that her head flew off. But he saw that her head was nothing more than a milner's form and the body a bundle of rags. Raging, he rushed down and rummaged through the whole house, but in vain he, o he found only his wife's empty jewellery box. Ha, 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 he cried. She has been stolen from me and her jewels too. And he immediately ran to inform her parents of the misfortune. But when he came near the house, to his great surprise, he saw on the balcony above the door all three sisters, his wives, who were looking down on him with scornful laughter. Three wives at once terrified the devil so much that he took his flight with all possible speed. Since that time, he has lost his taste for marriage. Fitch's Bird Told to us by the great Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm From Children's Fairy Tale, Volume 1 once upon a time there was a sorcerer who was also a thief. He 
disguised himself as a poor man and went begging from house to house. A girl came to the door and brought him a piece of bread. He touched her, and she was forced to jump into his pack-basket. Then he carried her to his house where everything was splendid, and he gave her everything she wanted. One day he said, I have to take care of something away from home. I'll be away for a while. Here's an egg, and take good care of it. Carry it with you at all times. And here is a key. But at the risk of your life, do not go into the room that it opens. But as soon as he had gone, she unlocked the door and went into the room. In the middle there was a large basin. In it there were dead and dismembered bodies. She was so terrified that she dropped the egg, which she was holding in her hand, into the basin. She quickly took it out again and wiped off the blood, but it reappeared in an instant. She could not get the egg clean, no matter how much she wiped or scrubbed. When the man returned, he asked for the egg and the key. He looked at them and knew that she had been in the blood chamber. "'You did not heed my words,' he said angrily, "'and now you are going to the chamber against your will.' With that he seized her, led her into the room, cut her up into pieces, and threw her into the basin with the others. Some time later the man went begging again. He captured the second daughter from the house, and the same thing happened to her as to the first one. She too opened the forbidden door, dropped the egg into the blood, and was cut into pieces and thrown into the basin. Then the sorcerer wanted to have the third daughter. He captured her in his pack-basket, carried her home, and at his departure gave her the egg and the key. However, the third sister was clever and sly. First of all, she put the egg in a safe place, and then she went into the secret chamber. When she saw her sisters in the basin, she found all of their parts and put each one back in its right place. Head, body, arm and leg. The parts started to move, and then they joined together, and the two sisters came back to life. She took them both out of the room and hid them. When the man returned and found that the egg was free of blood, he asked her to become his bride, and she said yes, but told him that first he would have to carry a basket filled with gold on his back to her parents, and that meanwhile she would be getting ready for the wedding. Then she told her sisters to get help from home. She put them into the basket and covered them with gold. Then she said to the man, Carry this away, and don't you dare stop or rest. If you do, I'll be able to see you through my window. He lifted the basket onto his back and started off. But it was so heavy that the weight nearly killed him. He wanted to rest a little, but one of the girls inside the basket called out, I can see through my window that you are resting. Walk on at once. He thought it was his bride calling out, so he got up and walked on. Every time he wanted to rest, he heard the call and had to continue on. Meanwhile, back at his house, his bride dressed up a skull and placed it in the attic window. Then she invited all the sorcerer's friends to the wedding. Then she dipped herself in a barrel of honey, cut open the bed and rolled in the feathers so that no one would be able to recognise her. In this strange disguise, she left the house and started down the path. Soon she met some of the guests who said, You, Fitch's bird, where are you coming from? I'm coming from Fitcher's house. 
What is his young bride doing? She's cleaning the house from bottom to top. Right now she was looking out of the attic window. Then she also met the bridegroom, who was returning home. You, Fitcher's bird, where are you coming from? I'm coming from Fitcher's house. And what is my young bride doing? She's cleaning the house from bottom to top. Right now she's looking out of the attic window. The bridegroom looked up and saw the disguised skull. Thinking it was his bride, he waved to it. But after he arrived home and all his friends were there as well, the help came that her sisters had sent. They closed up the house and set it afire, because no one could get out. They all perished in the flame. There you go, my friends. I hope you enjoyed those two tales. As I say, they are very similar to Bluebeard's Bride. They have the same uh, bad man taking many wives and telling them not to look into a room and then getting their comeuppance for being asshole men. There's a bit of uh, also curiosity killed the cat to some extent in some of these uh, at the beginning, if you want to look at it that way. But yeah, if you want more details on kind of this style of folk tale i say go listen to episode 17 where i talk about bluebeard's bride and the connections to other folklore and stuff uh next episode i already have an idea and, and things starting to plan out for that i'm going to be not telling you some tales i'm going to be looking at the devil again there's gonna be a lot of devil i feel in this season but the devil in the countryside and looking at Things like uh, the Devil's Chair in Avebury, where that came from. Devil's Bowl in Norfolk, where that came from. Um, and the Devil in Lancashire and things like that. I'm going to look at uh, like geographical places represented by the Devil. And we're going to go, not just in England, I'm going to try and find some places across the world as well. So if you want to know about how the Devil has played his part in forming our landscape, listen to the next episode. Or we shall have a quick chat about that. I also have some interesting news to tell you, but I will wait till my next episode. Once more, all of that is kind of organised, shall we say. But yeah, um, keep your eyes on the socials. Things might get put up there at some point. <laughs> but you know me, if you know me. Socials? What? Me? Never! Haha! <laughs> Yes, uh, so I hope you enjoy those tales. Um, if you've got any suggestions of what stories I should read or what you'd like me to look into, you can uh, email me at thedrunkenstorytelleruk at gmail.com. You can tweet me at thedrunkenstore1 on, on the wonderful world that is the dumpster fire of Twitter. I also have a Facebook page uh, that is very inactive. That's even more inactive than my Twitter account, which is quite amazing. I have, obviously, the Patreon, where it is $2 a month to get the bonus Faust episodes. $1 a month if you just want to help me keep the lights on and running. And there's also a Ko-fi account if you want to um, just do a one-off donation. Uh, I'm not expecting anybody to do any of these things. It's just fun things. Um, and I still want to do these long-format episodes, but they're going to go up onto Patreon because of the effort involved. I know, basically, I need motivation to do it, do long format things. <laughs> anyway, enough of me babbling on about things. Um, I don't think I've got anything else to say, other than keep an eye on the socials for something to come up. Oh, I do have something else to say. 
Um, Eye to the Void is now out. It has been sent out to backers. You should all have a PDF copy of Eye to the Void. If you haven't, get in contact with either myself or Hivemind Games on Twitter or email or whatever, um, and we can sort that out for you. It should. It's gone off to the printers. The books you'll will be printed hopefully within about a week and then sent out within one to two weeks after that so if you ordered a physical copy they should be there on their way soon if you didn't manage to back the kickstarter it will be going up on drive through rpg and hive mind games website soon for order it ended up being 186 pages long whoops <laughs> So those of you who backed uh, on the Kickstarter, uh, just for the PDF version, at £5, you got a bargain. <laughs> oh well. Um, I hope you. I hope those of you who did actually get a copy and have read it are enjoying it. If if you've got any comments or anything, do let me know. I'd be quite interested to see what people think of think of it and uh, the amount of stuff and splurge that I put into it. Tell me if it's good. Tell me if it's crap. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I think that's it. All that is left for me to say is goodbye, my friends.